So this is where you go on an event. Usually it works best when you go on a long event, not so much a weekend retreat. We're talking four, five, six days on a mission trip or an adventure trip or maybe a camp. And at the end of the week, you get in a group of the people that you've been the closest with. So I was picturing back 11 years ago, and I'm with 30 uh, teenagers that... uh, we're hygiene challenged, and, and we had experienced some really cool things. People had, had just taken challenges with God, and so we're sitting in a circle. One by one, these students would sit in the middle of the circle, and they would have their peers and the adults speak positive affirmation about who they were or things they had seen them do this week. Now, if anyone, yeah, that's what, you're, that's what you got to experience and you got to experience. How many of you think this is weird? <laughs> when you sit in that circle, if you've done it before, it sometimes feels uncomfortable. And I had a lot of people, especially the introverts, say, we don't like this. We shouldn't do this. And I remember that youth ministry mentor saying to me, you've got to do this. Because this will be the only time in some people's lives where they will hear three or four positive things in a row without hearing a criticism. So we did it. And it couldn't be, you're nice. That was, you know, which for junior high students, that was a little difficult. But, but this was good. Hard. Would you agree? Hard. There is something about speaking something out loud that you believe or that you think is true that is different than writing it, that's different than thinking it. How many of you wrote, I love you, to someone before you ever said, I love you? There is power in the spoken word. And yet, if we can't do this with people we care about, if we can't do this after we've spent six days together sweating and praying and serving, seeing God move, how can we do this with God? Some of us have never had spoken out loud conversations with God. And, and so today, we learn how to affirm God through the Psalms. We've been in this series called Playlist where we've looked at different chapters in the Psalms, and we've, we've used these Psalms as, as a songbook, as poems, not just as random things, because the Psalms were kind of ordered as a story of God, to see how God moved through these people's lives, and how to tune our minds to joy amidst the challenges of life. So the first week we looked at a new view of suffering, Psalm 22, and the second week we looked at a new way to pray when life is dark, Psalm 88. And this week we look at a new way to praise, and it's Psalm 103. So if you have a Bible, you want to turn there. This is a very typically categorized psalm as a psalm of praise. There's different kinds of psalms. We've looked at um, a lament. We've looked at an uber lament. uh, And now we're looking at a praise psalm. So Psalm 103, if you have a Bible that looks like this, that maybe you got from us, it's uh, page 485. It says, a psalm of David. Psalm 103, let all that I am praise the Lord. 
With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins. And he heals all my diseases. He redeems me from the pit. And crowns me with love and tender mercies. He satisfies my desires with good things. So that my youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to his people Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor does he harbor his anger forever. He does not even treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our inequities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his unfailing love for those who fear him. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. And as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are like dust. Our days on earth are like grass. Like wildflowers, we bloom and die as though we had never been here. As the wind blows and we are gone, as though we had never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever on those who fear him. His salvation extends to his children's children, of those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey his commands. The Lord made the heavens his throne, and from there he rules over everything. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plan, listening for each of his commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve him and do his will. Praise the Lord, everything that he has created. Let everything in all his kingdom praise the Lord. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Amen. God, I pray that we would understand what it means to out loud affirm you today. No matter where each of us are at today in our season of life or our situation, God, no matter where we're at in this relationship with you or pondering you or, or kind of questioning you, uh, maybe even wondering about your existence. Maybe even wondering about your goodness or who you are. Some of us might even be wondering if you will act in our, our time of need. God, I pray that this psalm and these words and, and God, the things that you've said to me, I pray that what you've put in my heart would be your word and it would come through today that your spirit would, would speak to us on what we need to hear. Amen. Ah, uh, this psalm is powerful. And, and it reminds me again of those days in youth ministry when I would hear the phrase, which I often heard in junior high ministry in particular, God is awesome. Amen. God is awesome. And then I would walk away going, I think I'm doing something right. Like, they didn't say, God, that you are mean. And they didn't say that you are distant or you are terrible or you are non-existent. 
They said, you're awesome. I give myself a B plus. I think I'm doing something right. I hope I'm doing something right. And then I got a little bit wiser and a little bit more reflective. And I started asking uh, questions to them like, why is God awesome? And I got a lot of blank stares. Is God awesome because, oh, he's just awesome. Okay. You know, it's a start. It's a start. If you're at the place where God is awesome, that's a great start. It's sort of like asking a high school student or a college student who just started dating someone or has been dating someone for a few months, and you say, what do you love about this person? Or what do you like about this person? Or how are you interested in this person? And they say, they're nice. Right? So, so we, we want to take our relationship with God. We want to move, I guess we want to move towards our relationship with God. God moves towards us first, but then how do we move towards him? And, and praise would be a way that we move towards him, which is a little bit more than God is awesome. Andrew, you serve at a church where people say, praise the Lord all the time. I mean, the sermons extend like into the hour range because after every statement, there's a praise the Lord, right? Exclamation, praise the Lord. And you know, we don't, do that too often here, and that's okay. It's not bad. It's not good. It's just not what the author is really saying what praise the Lord means. I mean, that's how he starts. But all that I am, praise the Lord. But, but a praise the Lord is more of a command than an explanation. So if I were to say to you, dinner's ready, come and eat. And you said, amen, come and eat. And then you stayed watching TV in the other room, I would get a little bit annoyed. Because, because to praise the Lord is to acknowledge him. To praise the Lord is to affirm who he is and affirm what he has done. That's what it means to praise God or to bless God. The Hebrew word is barak, if you want the kind of Bible nerd thing. And it means to bless or to acknowledge or to bow in some cases. And so we are saying, God, this is who I believe you are. In the psalm, it says that, um, that we are to praise the Lord. We are to bless the Lord. Now, if you look at that and wonder, wait, wouldn't God be a little conceited if he's asking for praise from us? Well, he's really not asking us for praise. This is a psalm by a human being. And the human being is telling himself to acknowledge God's actions, acknowledge who God is, and acknowledge what he's done. The heading says a psalm of David. So it's not just any human. It's the king of God's people. And it's not just a king. It's the king. It's the king's king. It's the ideal king. It's the king that every other king is compared to all throughout Jewish history. So if it says a psalm of David you want to pay attention. If it says a Psalm of David, you want to say, this is a model for how we are to pray. Not just us, but the king, the rulers, the leaders of all the people. And so this is how the king of kings, the king's king, the king of kings would be Jesus, but the king's king would pray. He first says, I'm going to invite myself to pray. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. 
Let all that I am praise the Lord. In one translation, it says, praise the Lord, I tell myself, I will praise his holy name. Or praise the Lord with my whole heart, with all that I am. So do you people watch? Are you guys, any of you people watchers? People watcher. We got to go out on, I got to go out on a date last night with my wife. And we were, we were out at this restaurant and I saw this other couple, I'm assuming they were um, together because of sort of the way that they kind of looked at each other. And the woman started to, and, and the woman was in kind of a summer dress and she looked like she had gotten dressed up for this date. And the guy was, she was, sorry, she was telling this animated story about something that I couldn't hear because I was just kind of walking by. And he's going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, then two, and then two hands it on his cell phone as she's telling the story. And I'm like, buddy, you might want to bring your whole self to this conversation. Otherwise, your date's not going to go very well. And if his response was, well, we're married, then I would, I think I would do that. I think I would. Because he's not bringing his whole self to the conversation. So it's one thing to stop and acknowledge who God is. Say, God, thank you for what you've done. I praise you for who you are. But to not bring your whole self to the conversation is a little bit like some of us go into the car in the work in the morning, and we might have run out the door late, we might have gotten up late, so we might not have had what you know Christians call like devotion time. We might not have gotten to pause, we might not have gotten to read our Bibles, we might not have really gotten to pray. So we get in the car, and we say, you know what, I'm going to pray in the car. I back out of the driveway, and I start to pray, God, I praise you for this amazing day, thank you so much, and all of a sudden the radio comes on, because whoever drove the car last left it on, and this is the city's 97 traffic report. Yeah, uh, traffic is stopped in the South Metro on 35E, 35W, uh, going north, there's an accident just north of 169 at Old Shakopee. Yeah, it, no one seems to be injured, but two lanes of traffic are backed up. You're going to want to go on Cedar or 77 North, but you've only got about 15 minutes before that. That's a wreck. So good luck uh, with your day. It is true. And so you're like, ah! So you turn and start going the other way, race over to Cedar before everyone else gets there. And then, of course, a Shane Company commercial comes on. So you continue praying because you don't need to hear another Shane Company commercial. You continue praying. God, you, you're awesome. Maybe those junior hires were right. You're awesome. You've done really good stuff in my life. I'd really like to spend more time thinking about all those good things, but I really need to get on to Cedar. So why don't you help me get on Cedar, and then maybe we could talk later. Not wrong, but maybe just not the best way for us to move towards God and move towards our relationship with God. Just like the guy who's double-hand texting on his phone on his date, it's probably not the best way to move towards his wife or girlfriend or person that was across from him. The king's king says, this is how I'm going to praise God. I'm going to stop my day. I'm going to take a moment of this day completely uninterrupted and with my mouth and with my soul and with my mind and with my body, I'm going to talk to you, God. Why is music so powerful? Why do our feet start tapping when we hear a song like Dance Like David Danced? 
because our whole body starts to move into it. Our mind and our, our rhythm and our, our emotions and our body, they all start to get focused on this, this beat, this rhythm, and, and that's how we're supposed to be when we start to pray to God, when we start to praise who he is and acknowledge him with all that we are. Now, could we do that? What if each day you were to just pause and take a moment, totally uninterrupted, to focus your whole self on who God is? Do you think you'd move towards God? I know I have when I've done that. Now, you might say, okay, I'll, I'm going I'm to do that. I'm going to try that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to praise God, praise him for who he is. I'm going to praise, I'm going to be all here. I'm not going to move. I, I, I understand God. I owe you my whole life. And so I'm going to praise you with my whole self. And I will. You're awesome. And how many of us struggle with going past that? We might thank God for a few things, but then I know I all too quickly stumble into, and here's what I need help with. Not wrong, but just like we have friends that come to us, and if all they do is say, here's what I need, here's what I need, here's what I need, can you help me, can you help me, thanks, we start to feel a little pulled down, don't we? And we start to look at our cell phone when they call and go, maybe later. Now, God never does that. God never says maybe later. But our response to the person, the sovereign king of the universe who gives us life should be a little more than just what we need. And I don't say that to make us feel guilty. I I say that because it shows here how to take the next step. So we bring our whole selves and we say, I love you. And we say, God, you're awesome. But, but we can go further than that. We can come to God like the psalmist does, and we can first remind ourselves of God's good actions in our life. That's what the next few verses do. He forgives all my sin, and he heals all my diseases. God, the, the psalmist is praising God for his mercies. Mercies meaning, God, you don't give me what I deserve You forgive all my sin. Not part. Not just today. But my past, present, and future sin because Jesus' sacrifice is good enough for all of that. So God, I praise you that you forgive all my sin. And I I thank you that your healing, which may come now or later, you you heal all my diseases. And these these are things that would have been to the to the what the disease word means at that time is things that would have um, not just been ailments, but things that have been terminal. The things that cut us off from God. And then he goes further to say, you rescue me from my oppression. He uses the word pit, not just to mean a physical death, but to mean a spiritual death, to mean a pit, meaning oppression or despair, because this would have been written in particular, to tell the story of the exile. 
And you not only do all those things with your mercy, God, I praise you, you give me grace. You give me what I don't deserve. You crown me, meaning this this God redeems me from lostness. And he brings me into his family, not, not as a servant, but as an heir, as a son or daughter of the king. And you satisfy my desires so that I don't need to pursue my own pleasures or my own achievements so I can find value or worth in something other than you. God, I thank you for the good actions in my life. So it's one thing to feel like we don't have time to spend uninterrupted time with God. And then, and then we can choose to decide to do that, to take a moment to be uninterrupted with God. And then what we would say, we could say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to thank God, I'm going to praise God for the good actions in my life. And he says, let me, never, let me never forget the good things that you've done for me. If you feel distant from God, is it because you're forgetting the good things that God has done for you? When you have moments where, where things are going so bad that, that it's just hard to see where God has already worked where God has already been in place and where he might be, might be already working. I think we, like the people of God that have been written throughout history, are quick to forget. So we, so the, the, the Israelites set up festivals which were yearly reminders of how God had worked. We set up festivals for birthdays to celebrate our birth, what if we set up reminders of how God has worked? Spiritual markers, if you will. If you know my wife, you, you know that uh, she, doesn't, she doesn't get teared up too easily. And yet, as she stood up to give the announcements, it was three years of emotion starting to come out because for us, the start of restoration was a spiritual marker and milestone of all the ways that God had worked and the good things that he'd done in our life. So it's very easy for us to include that in our annual reminders. What would annual reminders look like in your life? To remember the good things that God has done. So that's one way we praise. The psalmist goes on and says, here's another way we praise. We praise God by affirming who he is, his good character. The psalmist says, the Lord works righteousness and justice, which isn't so much about an action, but it's about this right living and this justice mind that comes from God. He works in this way because it's who he is. For all the oppressed, he reveals his character to Moses. He reveals his deeds to the people of Israel. And the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. This is a refrain that we see 
all throughout Israel's history that starts in the moment in Exodus where God has given the law and the instruction and the covenant to the people. This is how I want you to live. I will be your God. You will be my people. And the Ten Commandments are brought forth and Moses comes down. And what's happening? The people, he's been up there so long that the people have started to bring all their gold to mold it together so that their, their priests can make a golden calf, an idol for them to worship. Moses no sooner gets down the mountain from God inscribing these, this covenant to them that he sees them worshiping the golden calf and God wants to obliterate them. His holy anger of, wait a second, you guys, don't you understand what I've done? And Moses pleads, and the people confess. And this is the refrain that God gives to Moses. I am compassionate and merciful. I am slow to get angry. I'm filled with unfailing love. The people that would have first heard this are, are people who would have been in exile. David, David wrote this psalm, but then later, years later, it is compiled and these, these psalms are reordered so that not only does, does each one have a purpose, but them as a whole tell the story of Israel. It's divided into five books. And if you think about what the, um, the Jews would have had at the time of David and at the time uh, they were in exile, they would have mostly had the law, which would have been Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Five books, what's often called the Pentateuch. So they would have had that. So, ironically, or not so much, because remember, they don't have books, they divided the Psalms into five books. Easy to remember. And these books tell the story of the people of Israel, the people of God. And so, in the book that Psalm 103 is placed in, the people have no king. They used to have a king, and they used to have a kingdom, and now they've had oppressors come in and take their kingdom away because they were rebellious. They they did not live up to their part of the covenant that God started with Abraham to say, I'm going to bless you and you're going to bless others. In fact, all the nations of the world will look to our relationship, your descendants and me, as what it means for a, a humanity, for humanity to have a relationship with God. And you will bless others, except they didn't bless others. They lost their kingdom, they lost their land, they lost their king, and now they're in exile. And this psalm is placed in the midst of that story to bring people hope. So maybe it's easy for you to praise God when life is going well. You can easily see all the good things that God is doing and and thankfulness and praise just roll off your lips. But if it's hard to praise God when life is hard, when things aren't going well, when it's tough, this psalm also gives us hope. Basically, what I, what I see here is the editor is trying to say, hey, if you are living in a place where it seems like there's no godly leader and, and there's no godly leader in charge and, and you're not sure if God's going to come through, remember that God was king when Moses was around, when he appeared to Moses. God was king when he rescued the people from Egypt. God was king of these people when they didn't have any land. And God was king through all of that time. So even now, even though you're seeing this holy anger and you're seeing this holy jealousy, time and time again, this refrain is still true, people. God is slow to get angry. 
God is merciful and compassionate. God is always filled with unfailing love. Remember, these people were in oppression because they'd sinned against God. These people needed serious forgiveness. As you look at your life, maybe it's not filled with praise. Maybe this way you speak out loud to God doesn't look like this psalm. But regardless of that, as you think about who you are, as you think about what you've done, are you in need of serious forgiveness? I know my first reaction was to compare myself to other people and say, well, I'm better than him and her and her and him. And, and when I really looked at the pride, the people-pleasing, the um, moral conformity to look good, but not to be right with God, I said, I, I need serious forgiveness. God is offering serious forgiveness in this psalm. Can you, can you see the excessiveness of God's love and God's goodness? He says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his unfailing love for us. Can we even measure how high the heavens are above the earth? It's the vastness of the universe. That's the greatness of God's love. In fact, as you think about your sin and you think about, can God still love me if, I've, if you've ever said, can God love me after I've done this? Can he love me? He says, for as far as the east is from the west, so far as he separated us from our sin, completely removes it. Because of the blood of Jesus, he does not see that sin anymore. He doesn't forgive and forget. He chooses not to remember. And he sees us as his children. As a father has compassion on his children. Not a father who constantly accuses. Because maybe you grew up in a home like that, that you just never could do anything right because that's the kind of person that was over you. He does not constantly accuse he is not someone that harbors anger, it says. Remember three years ago when you did such and such? No, that's not God. Even understanding who we are, God's goodness comes out. It says that we're just dust. Our days are like grass, the brevity of our life compared to the vastness of God. But even in that, he loves us. Even in that, he would care for us. Even in that, he would know the number of hairs on our head, it says in another song. He would know how we are formed and how he designed us. And it says that his love remains forever on those who fear him or those who honor him or those who are in awe of him. And his salvation extends to the children's children who are faithful to this covenant, who obey his commands. This goodness from God is not something that, that makes us want to do whatever we want. 
or it shouldn't be, if you see God's goodness and grace as a reason to just do whatever because God's going to be good and gracious to you, it's, it's not really saying I fear you, God, or I honor you. God's goodness and his grace spills out to us and invites us to respond to him in a way that says, I accept your love and I accept your authority. If you're in a place where you're wondering, does God really care? Is God really good? Is God close by? And is he really in charge because he seems so distant? This is the psalm for, for you. God loves us so much that he chooses to reveal himself to us. He reveals himself in, in this goodness, in this restoration, time and time again through the scriptures of coming back to the people, even from the point of Adam and Eve turning away from God, choosing, their own, their, choosing for themselves to be God. God even comes after them in the garden and looks for them to find them. He seeks them out. He brings them back into relationship. And time and time again, that's the God we see in the scriptures, ultimately revealing himself in Jesus. And Psalm 103 concludes by inviting anyone and everyone to praise this God who reveals himself in this way. He said, God has made the heavens his throne. It's not an earthly kingdom. And from there he rules over everything. So spiritual beings praise God. The creation praises God. Humanity should praise God. Yes, praise the Lord, you who serve him, armies of angels. Praise the Lord, everything he has created, everything in his kingdom which has no boundaries. And then he pauses and he starts where he ends. Let everything that I am praise the Lord. Because we can proclaim God's universal love to the world and be true in our faith. We can bring our whole selves to God undistracted. We can affirm who God is. We can affirm what God has done. We can acknowledge who we are and that he loves us in spite of that. But we can't forget the last step. Will we choose to praise him? The king's king says, let all that I am praise God. So in a moment, we're going to celebrate communion. And communion is a sacred remembrance of who God is in Jesus Christ and who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Jesus repays what we couldn't pay back. Jesus offers his sinless life for our sin-saturated selves. Jesus conquers death. Jesus conquers the devil who constantly accuses us. And he restores us to God. Through his broken body and his shed blood, his salvation extends from the moment he offered it to today. You can choose to praise God today. You can choose to accept his love and his mercy, and his goodness, and his grace today. Regardless of your denomination, 
um, or your church, if you say, Jesus is the king of my life, or I want Jesus to be the king of my life, you are invited to communion. Gluten-free will be on my left, and regular gluten will be over here. Um, But each of us need to make that decision to praise him. And if you're sitting going, but you don't know my story, God would say, I, I know your story. And as far as the east is from the west is as far as I'm removing your sin because the blood of Jesus is powerful enough. And that's what we celebrate in communion. The gospel says that on the night that Jesus was betrayed on the Last Supper, Jesus took bread and he gave thanks to God for it and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. It's broken for you. Every time you eat of this, remember me. It is broken for the forgiveness of sins. After dinner, Jesus took the cup and he poured the wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant. It is poured out for you. It is the symbol of my blood. Through it, new life is offered. Every time you drink of this cup, remember me. Take a moment and praise God. If you're not at a point where you can praise God, we learned last week that you can be angry at God and and you can even be at a point where you can't pray yourself. And we have people in the back to pray if you need someone to pray for you. And then when you're ready, you can come down and receive. Communion will be doing it by intinction, which is a fancy word that just means you'll take a piece of bread and you'll dip it in the cup and you'll partake of communion. So God, we admit who we are. Like dust, like a flower that blooms one day and dies the next day and yet in that we're not beating ourselves up, we're not being self-deprecating, we're just stating the reality that our lives are brief and mortal and yet you invite us into eternal life that, that we don't have to have a bloom and die life, that you created us as humanity to live with you and in relationship with you forever. And so God, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice and, and we pray that this, this moment that we call sacred would be a moment where we sense your presence in a, in a powerful way where you'd speak to us. And we praise you for who you are and we praise you for what you've done.